I'm Bill Furlong, and along with my colleague, Dr. Mary Crossan, we co-host our podcast, A Question of Character, where we answer all of your questions around the Ivy Leader Character Framework. We would like you to welcome you today to our fifth episode, and we're delighted that you can join us. Today's question is, is how can you embed character, leader character, in organizations? As a reminder, if this is your first exposure to the Ivy Leader Character Framework, then we'd recommend you go back to episodes one and two, where you can get a real good solid foundation around the leader character framework, and that will help you get a lot more out of today's episode and also future episodes. So I'd like to introduce you to my co-host. She is a distinguished university professor at Ivy Business School. Her research has been widely published in the world's most prestigious business academic journals. She is the author of several books, including Developing Leadership Character. She is Dr. Mary Crossan. Hi, Mary. How are you today? Great, Bill. Good to be here again. Good to see you too, Mary. So, Mary, I think today is uh, one more of those foundational episodes. It's our fifth episode, and that might be almost our last foundational episode, if you will. Uh, you may recall uh, we have a Venn diagram where we have three overlapping circles that talk about, uh, you know, in an organization, how do you get character-based leadership? Uh, the top left-hand circle really talked about awareness, and that related to episodes one and two, where we talked about leadership character 101 A and B. The top right-hand circle talks about leader character development. And we spent a lot of time in, in the last in episodes three and four uh, discussing uh, things like context and how context affects character and how character can change, and lots of examples how people change their character. Today's episode is going to really focus on the, on the lower circle, and that's around institutionalizing uh, leadership character in an organization. And we'll spend a bit of time talking about, you know, what happens if you do one or two or of those circles, but not the third, because you'll end up missing out, uh, you know, something important. So Mary, let's start with the very first question. Why does institutionalizing leadership character uh, matter at all? Why not just let everyone sort of um, get to work on their own individual character and then the rest will take care of itself. It's certainly an important place to start to have the awareness of character and the development of character at the individual and group level. But if you don't think about embedding character in the organization, so I think about this as the non-human side of the organization, your practices, your policies, your procedures, the things that you do that exist even when individuals leave the organization, and what happens if these kinds of things are not character aligned, they start to work against you. Uh, a simple example would be if you believe character to be important and you want to develop people about, who have strength of character, why wouldn't you select people with strength of character in the organization? And if you find yourself perhaps selecting people only on the basis of competence, and you have within the organization the virtues and vices problems that we've described in previous episodes, you're really working at cross purposes. And then what happens for individuals in the organization, they feel like, well, what do we stand for anyways if we're hiring people who do this or we promote people who really are not character aligned? So Bill, those are, those are the real reasons to do it. And I think in the end, those institutionalized practices then help the organization and help the individual uh, in their own development as well. 
Mary, can you give us a sense? I mean, you've been spending now a, a number of years, and you and I, in some cases together, spending a number of years uh, working with different kinds of organizations, uh, embedding leadership character into their businesses. Can you give us a sense of who's involved in this and you know, what kinds of sectors or geographies or countries or nationalities that they work with? They're quite wide ranging. And I think it's also important as I talk a little bit about some of these organizations that they all have approached character for different reasons. And that I think is also a really good message to take away from this is it isn't one size fits all. You start where you need it and you apply it in a workmanlike sense for what it is you're trying to achieve. So if I go back Oh gosh, it's probably five or six years now. General Dynamics Land Systems Canada was looking at growing very rapidly and they wanted to make sure that as they were populating those leadership roles, their succession management, that they were going to elevate character alongside competence. And so they began 360 assessments of character and competence and used it to guide both the development of individuals within their organizations and also to help them thinking about where it is that those individuals could uh, make a difference in the organization. So there was succession management. Uh, we spoke in the last episode uh, briefly about Canada Revenue Agency, and there they were looking at selection in particular. So how do we select on the basis of character as well as competence? Now, there are other organizations like uh, Canada Border Service Agency who learn very rapidly from CRA uh, about areas of selection. And then, of course, they, they took it on board around all of their HR practices and CRA, of course, uh, moving in that direction as well. Uh, we spoke previously about the NHL team, this one located in the U.S., and there they were looking at how do they create competitive advantage and creating competitive advantage by elevating character alongside competence in the players that they select, but also how they run the team, the coaches, the management, and what it is that they can do each and every day to drive additional performance in the organization. Then you take organizations like Manulife, uh, and Manulife was one of the early adopters in the after the 2008 work of the leadership on trial work that we did i think it was probably one of the first places that jeffrey gantz and i did a presentation to about 200 of their executives uh, that has been something that's really percolated in that organization for a period of time uh, now just finished uh, uh, doing leadership work with their asian uh, uh, side of the business where they are embedding leader character into their executive development. Then you take an organization like HSBC and this one coming out of the UK. That one impetus being out of the area of risk management and conduct and in their capital markets group, uh, taking a look at uh, embedding character alongside competence in their development. And a number of banks uh, also in Canada, Bill, uh, same kind of uh, idea. I think people are beginning to see that it, it has this broad applicability and it, they can start at any particular point of, um, of interest. Sometimes it's diversity and inclusion. We've done a number of sessions in various organizations around those issues. And then, then it cascades out from there. 
Right, and then one of the things, uh, and I'll, you know, I always notice it when you and I do presentations, um, and I'm wondering whether or not it's the same across all of these, the wide variety of organizations and sectors and, and countries that you've worked in. Um, I always notice that, at the, you know, it takes uh, maybe a few minutes, maybe a half an hour, but people are, get really interested and excited about the work in fairly short order. Would you, would you say that people are hungry for this kind of, kind of material? Uh, absolutely. I, I just spoke with two organizations probably within the last week where uh, it, it, it amazes me. They, they, they hear about it. They uh, take uh, by the book that we have written, Developing Leadership Character, and then they move on and start to actually run their own workshops within their orga organizations and lead these organic works to say, you know, how do we... Uh, teach ourselves uh, about how to uh, develop character. And it was interesting. So one of these organizations um, had approached me and I followed up with them uh, about it where they'd already done about six or seven of these workshops and sessions. And so I uh, jumped in and did a session with them just again uh, to the areas of awareness in particular, tightening up some ideas about how does this work and what are the common misconceptions and where might you go with this? So uh, it's certainly a thing, something that a lot of people can kind of pick up on their own. And yet these podcasts we're doing, Bill, are great because I think it just starts to really fine tune those initiatives that people undertake. Right. Now, um, as these organizations uh, take up leadership character and, and start to integrate it into their, into their businesses, um, is it the kind of thing where they they kind of do it once and then they drop and let it go and it becomes a bit like flavor of the month? Or have you seen them once they've adopted it, it begins to they begin to sort of uh, to broaden it and to and to and to try and cover more uh, corners of the business, if you will. Bill, I think the sustaining happens mostly when they start to institutionalize what we're talking about today in the case of putting it in their HR practices, for example. Now, what can often happen, we see this quite a bit, we run workshops, people are really delighted about what they're doing, they're applying it to themselves personally, they're applying it to their teams, and they don't really think that much about how they might play a role in supporting the institutionalizing of character into their HR practices. A piece I would say HR and the business are, often have a very interesting relationship and HR doesn't want to feel like it's pushing something on the business. And a lot of times, you know, business feels like that that's exactly what happening is happening. In the case of character, they come together because the businesses want it and HR then can support the institutionalization process, for example, in uh, areas like HR practices. I mean, a lot of the times, the reason that people kind of resist HR practices is because there's a feeling that it's something that they're doing that doesn't really help them with their job. Um, it's an extra layer of bureaucracy, perhaps. It's a, and, and I think one of the reasons why we get that that resonance or that overlap of interests, if you will, is because the leader character framework helps people do their jobs better. And that's the reason I think the business is, is keen to do it. And from an HR perspective, it's a way of, uh, of, of um, I guess, investing in your, in your human resources, which is a critical part for most organizations today in any event. 
Bill, I don't think I've ever seen anything uh, that is so well aligned for all stakeholders in an organization. So for the individual, you know, this personal and professional well-being and performance, uh, then, you know, you get into your teams and same kind of thing applies. Then you've got areas like compliance and risk management and areas like uh, human resource management and then performance management, like all of the agendas that these various stakeholders have are really served by this foundational element of uh, character. So it, nobody goes into the, the arena uh, really getting any pushback from the other stakeholders in it. And that's pretty rare to find in, in organizations. So um, Mary, when you think about organizations, because you talk to many organizations, uh, as have I with you, um, some organizations, um, right away they start to pick it up and, and others don't and some are sort of in between in your experience what are the sort of the essential ingredients like what has to be present in order for an organization to sort of start this journey i think it starts with uh, somebody who sees the need where, where whether it's succession management or it's selection or diversity or performance management and that individual as we talked about previously, often at the corner of their desk, uh, starts to move the agenda forward. And those individuals I find where it's been really successful, they're like people who are like a dog, you know, with a bone that they're, they don't let it go. And I have observed, I, I know you have Bill as well. Uh, we would characterize these individuals often having strength of character because they uh, put a lot of things at risk. Uh, when you're introducing a character alongside competence into organizations and, and at the most senior levels, there's a sense of, man, this better be robust and this better be important. And I hope these executives see the same thing that I see as the person who's introducing it into the organization. I, I, I think partly because not partly, mostly because this work is really profound and fundamental, that it, it, it pretty much lends itself, I think, into the kinds of responses that we, we get, which are incredibly favorable. It Then it becomes, well, how do I do this? I know it to be important. Uh, help us understand how we can implement this in the organization. It really has, again, that feel of some of the examples we had in a previous episode. We talked about individuals um, making a decision to, uh, to, to make a difference and how it is, as you said before, character driven and that they can see what the outcomes would be and, and that they really become quite passionate about it. And, and that does seem to be a, a key ingredient. And I, I think the converse is true on that is uh, there's a lot of cases where a complacent is probably too strong a word but uh, the old saying from Collins, good is the enemy of great, that, that people will find themselves thinking, oh, this is really good. They apply it to themselves, they apply it to their teams. And there isn't the, I would call it, character-based aspiration coming from transcendence and drive and courage and accountability that brings the momentum that could actually carry this to even a, a greater scale 
than they had imagined in their satisfaction with just applying it to themselves. And that, so that actually leads into the next question I was going to ask you is, is in, in, again, in your experience, what have you seen as being the, the, the primary obstacles to organizations going from being aware of, of the leader character work and its potential for, uh, for, for improving outcomes? Uh, what, what are the typical things that get in the way of organizations not doing that? So the term organization is an interesting word here and in that many individuals and groups, and I mean groups of 200, 400, 500 within large organizations, they can go a long way without an organization institutionalizing leader character. So there isn't really an impediment there. And, and, and I think that that's an important starting point. Sometimes people think, oh, the organization has to adopt this and then we'll start to take action. But that, that isn't the, really the case. Now, as we started at the outset of this episode, it certainly helps when you're getting those signals from the organization that this is something that matters and people are on board. Like any change initiative, getting that support from the most senior people in the organization who are using the language of character in what it is that they do and what they deem to be important in a consistent way uh, goes an incredibly long way to shedding that kind of light across the entire organization. So um, then that kind of comes to the, to the next point then is you, you and I have both seen, I think you've seen more again, is there's so many different ways that leadership character has found its way into organizations from a sort of a very sort of a regimented top-down approach, if you will, to this uh, almost um, organically occurring within different areas of the business. So the question really, you know, is there sort of some sort of a, a cookie cutter approach, no matter which way you're, you're going into it, um, or is each situation unique? Is this something which it's it's an HR project uh, or does it have to be or, or is it somewhere else? And is it the kind of thing where you've got to hire an army of consultants and, and pay millions of dollars and, and project manage? It is definitely not a cookie cutter approach and not one that requires millions of dollars of consulting to come in. Uh, it is really leveraging the momentum within the organization. Remember thinking we're talking about character-based judgment. So wherever you're trying to elevate the quality of judgment and decision-making, well-being and performance in the organization, and that can be anywhere, uh, which is beautiful, right? You can start there. I think that where we see it having its success organization-wide is that one part of the organization has looked at another part who's implementing character leadership and saying, wow, that looks... That looks like something that works. We can see how it's worked over there. That's clearly when Canada Border Service Agency saw what CRA was doing, it gave them a nice roadmap uh, going forward. Uh, the RCMP also looking at character leadership, building on CBSA, building on CRA. I think, Bill, what's also interesting in the case of character leadership uh, and because the public sector organizations have been so involved in this, they are willing to share their experiences in a very broad way. Uh, and a lot of times we don't see that, right? People cloak uh, these kinds of things in secrecy. Uh, they don't wanna share it with others. It, it creates 
uh, a competitive advantage in some way for them. And while a character will deliver competitive advantage, there's something about the nature of character leadership itself, I think, that inspires people to collaborate in how they're going to be able to move that agenda forward. It just seems something almost bigger than organizations where they look at a movement of an idea that they know that the time has come. Perhaps things like diversity and inclusion today have that kind of quality. Organizations don't hold that tight uh, and say, oh, well, we're not going to talk to other organizations about this. There's a much more sharing methodology, I think, that comes with character leadership. The uh, next question then would be is, how can you tell if your efforts, if, a, if the efforts of an organization as it's you know, beginning to engage in leader character uh, is starting to make a difference? Do, uh, are there metrics that go along with uh, leader character framework implementations? Or, or how, do you, how can you tell if, if, if what you're doing is making a difference? It is a great question. And uh, what I love to do around character is actually ask organizations, what are you doing on the competency side? So you're hiring on competency, you're promoting on competency. What kinds of protocols and evidence are you using to establish that those competencies are yielding performance benefits? And usually there's a blank stare because it's something that we just take for granted that competencies would deliver the performance. The reason I actually asked the question is to say, if there is that parallel you know, structure, we can look at character in the same way and then you can compare apples with apples so you can understand the relationship between character and competence. Um, rest assured that with both character and competence in the academic literature, all they matter. You know, there's all sorts of empirical evidence uh, talking about the performance benefits. But I think the question you're asking, Bill, is in a specific organization, how do you know that your investments in character leadership are delivering performance returns? The key thing to remember is because character is foundational, one would expect all of your key performance indicators to move when you're investing in character leadership. Uh, it has essentially, because it's anchored in quality of judgment and decision-making, you're going to imagine that this shifts how people spend their time. They have greater clarity about what they focus on things. It changes the nature of the conversations that people have, driving to more insight. So you could look at those kind of micro moments that you were uh, imagining to say, hey, do I notice that these things are changing? Of course, you could measure whether or not those things are changing. It also picks up into things like engagement and organizational citizenship because individuals who are acting on character and there is character contagion in a positive way in the organization, these are gonna drive these moments of engagement. So we expect to see those things shift. But all of your metrics around quality or productivity, uh, sales, whatever it is is important in your particular organization, we are going to see shift as a result of, of character. Having said that, I think it is important to recognize just with any research piece that we look at. So for example, one area that I spent a lot of time in was error reporting in organizations. So organizational learning area, understanding where mistakes and errors come from. So there, you, you take those studies where there's all these interventions done on 
how to get people psychological safety, to be able to talk about the errors in the organization. Well, guess what happens? Error reporting goes up. So a lot of the stuff that was buried in the organization now comes to light. That's a stepping stone. Now that it's come to light, you're able to deal with it and you're able to move it forward. So I don't want to leave our listeners with the impression that you, you always find these direct links on, on things, but you will always find a positive link. That is, even in something like error reporting, great, people are, are ready to talk about it. We're going to have candid conversations. And now that we've got that, we can now figure out what's going wrong, how are we having these issues, and now how can we move it forward? Well, that then leads into the next question, which is, which is around culture. Uh, and I know we coming up, we're going to have a full episode on culture because you and I have written an article on that. But just can you give a sense of an overview? Because you were just beginning to talk about that. Do you then start to sense a change in the, in the culture of the organization? Yeah, we, we, we often say, simply put, culture is a reflection of the character of the individuals within the organization. And, and Bill, there's so much complicated work around culture. I see organizations spending, uh, uh, back to your big consulting dollars, a lot of money investing and in trying to define their culture, change their culture. And as we're going to pick up in these subsequent episodes, if you imagine strength of character of the individuals within the organization and the culture then that reveals, that is typically what organizations are looking for. That's like the 95% of what every organization wants, really, a culture of character leadership. Uh, there are tweaks in that, uh, Bill, like, for example, if you have a customer orientation or a safety orientation, more strategically aligned aspects of culture, uh, you would you know, want to say, well, how is it that we get that culture of safety? But it's incredible how the major part of what organizations are really looking for in culture is really character-based. So that then raises the next question, which is, um, you know, in organizations, they'll have a mission statement, they'll have values, you know, frequently you'll go up and down the halls and you'll see on the walls, you know, uh, these poster boards, these are our values and this is what we believe. Um, they'll have, um, you know, that their HR systems will be all geared, will have a certain language to that. When you bring in something like leadership character, are you, are you taking all of that and just pushing it to the side? Uh, or, or is it something that, and, and then you, you know, you replace it with leadership character? Or how does leadership character um, connect with, you know, existing frameworks that are that are put in place in an organization around things like culture and values and mission you're you're definitely not moving any of that as that aside that that work is really important conversation in an organization right to go through that process of understanding who you are why you are that way <clears throat> i think the really missing piece uh, I, most organizations are really dissatisfied with uh, how they're living that mission and value set that they, that they put together. And the reason they get disappointed about it is they have, haven't imagined the strength of character required of the individuals to deliver on that set of values or to deliver on that mission. So what we would be picking up is that, and it doesn't take much, Bill, for people to realize this, as you say. So you have a whole, you know, an organization with people with streak, uh, strong character or weak character, 
or that unbalanced character that we talked about, how does that affect how it is that you live those values and achieve the mission? I think people really get pretty quickly is that the what's going to move the needle is the strength of character. So we see it as a, it comes in underneath all of those pieces to support the values and mission. So Mary, when an organization, you know, starts to go down this road of, of embedding leader character in an organization, what typical activities do we see at the beginning? Are there any particular tools or measurement devices or, or gatherings or meetings that they undertake? A pretty common approach is essentially something like a half-day workshop, gathering people together to cover off exactly what we've done in these first five episodes, Bill, where we look at awareness, uh, develop an understanding about what that is in a very engaged approach, uh, moving to development and then institutionalizing to give the organization a roadmap of what's possible, but also to ensure that individuals have the tools they need to just start on that development journey themselves. Uh, of course, there's the leader character insight self-assessment and many organizations kick off those workshops with that self-assessment. So people come in armed with having something that's personalized to them and that they can begin that journey. Uh, that's a very typical way that organizations start this bill. Now, Mary, it might be a moment as well, uh, if you like, you're, you're on the process of uh, beta testing a leader character application. And for me, that's very exciting. Is that something that could also be used in an organizational context? Most definitely. So what happens, we, we have found as organizations start to move down the pathway on this, you know, they, they're, they're looking for the toolkit about what it is that they've got to be able to support what they can do. And, and while there's the self-assessment and a 360 assessment of leader character, they're looking at how do they actually do more than this. And one of the first things we, of course, would do, I think even before the, the thinking about the app, uh, a train the trainer within in organizations. So particularly large organizations that want to do ongoing development work and workshops within them is uh, being able to equip their uh, key people to be able to do this work in, in the organizations and then giving them all of the tools that we have to be able to run the very workshops that, that we would do in organizations. And yet there was still another gap that we knew, uh, and that is individuals want to treat the development of character the, the way they treat their exercise program. Uh, and so it's not something that they want to wait for the quarter to get some leadership development on. They're saying, what can you put in my hands on a daily basis that I can own my learning and development plan? And that's why we developed the Virtuosity app so that we could embed within it all of our understanding about how you actually develop character. Mary, uh, we've talked about organizations and, and management and maybe uh, you know, different people inside the organization. Uh, being the champions of leadership character and, and, and making it work. Where does the board of directors come into this? Well, I'm thinking about the board of directors, and then we can also think about it, uh, people who have even f uh, oversight uh, on the industry, regulators, for example. So let's think about those individuals who actually have influence on organizations. And I think the first place we want to think about is that the more the more that those individuals through their practices can reinforce 
the importance of developing uh, character within organizations, that sends a very, very strong signal. I think, and we're going to have this on subsequent uh, episodes, uh, I, I take a look at what the Financial Conduct Authority did in the UK, bringing in bank CEOs to learn about character and then how that influenced then the practices of several banks as they began to uh, pick this up. I would say boards of directors, same notion is that uh, understanding that character-based judgment is a risk factor in the organization. It really does beg the question for any organization, where is character on the agenda of organizations? But I would say it also has implications for the board itself, Bill. We have done work uh, in corporate governance looking at boards of directors, and it's very clear that they themselves are not paying attention to character leadership. They, Like lots of organizations, we all think we understand what character is, but the same thing that plagues organizations also plagues boards. So who are we bringing on boards? How are we selecting individuals? How are we assessing the performance of the board? How are we looking at the evidence of character leadership on the board? And the more that boards begin to do that, the more that they have, I think, the capacity to understand how it operates in organizations. I recall in many of the focus groups that we were doing with boards of directors on this, and we were asking the questions, what aspects of character were likely overweighted on boards and could be operating like a vice? And the feedback came back, overweighting on things like collaboration and underweighting on things like accountability, which of course is a deadly combination. We can see how this happens. Uh, you know, boards of directors that meet on a, you know, an in relatively infrequent basis, uh, you could be putting a lot of emphasis on getting along, right? Uh, not uh, pressing your colleagues uh, heavily uh, in board meetings, so you got a lot of collaboration. But the accountability part is. There is your job to provide oversight. It is your job to provide the tough questions uh, that have to happen in organizations. And how do we know that that's actually taking place? So that oversight function, whether you're regulator, whether you're board of directors, whether you're an association, professional association oversight, I think always asking the question, where is the evidence of character leadership? How do we know it's taking place? I mean, it's so much true when you think about, and we've talked about this in the first couple of episodes, is that usually significant derailments are not issues around competency. They're issues around character. And they're embedded somewhere in the organization and, and the culture of the organization that causes or allows that to happen. We've, we've talked about a number of examples and seen many more. And what comfort it would be to regulators and boards and other stakeholders as well if they had the confidence that an organization's culture was actually rooted in leadership character. And it would allow them to, I think, uh, manage that risk. And culture is now top of mind for boards and for regulators. And I think it gives them a way to, to um, gain insight into that risk and to, to manage that risk in ways, in, in ways that they've never really had before. And a practical way to think about this, Bill, is most of those 
individuals have an opportunity to witness conversations of some type or form that happen in, in organizations. And uh, to date, they really haven't had a way specifically to analyze a character as a basis for that conversation. And so they pick up on style. It's a little abrasive or, you know, uh, it's dominated by a couple of individuals, but they don't, haven't looked at the evidence of, is there a character, evidence of character in the organization? I remember one corporate director coming to me after one of the focus groups that we did. And she said, you know, she sits on three boards. She said, one of them, there is, and as far as she can tell, no evidence around temperance. Uh, you know, there is a lot of courage, a lot of drive about what's going on. And like we've said in prior episodes, it's like the Formula race car got a great big engine, but uh, the braking system is, you're not sure, does it work? If she hasn't seen the evidence of temperance in the organization, how can she as a director understand whether or not they have the patience and calm to exercise it when they need to? And she said, I don't even know how to approach this uh, with, with the organization. Well, we said, well, it's the language of risk. It is a risk factor in the organization. And then if you don't see evidence of the dimensions of character, uh, we don't know whether or not we're stress testing them. And I think those be become the important conversations to have. So three really important messages, I think, coming out of today's episode. First are is that people, the first is, is that your people are really hungry for this. Every single time Mary and I go into organizations and start talking about leadership character, and some of our workshops are three or four hours long, and at the beginning, people are thinking, oh my gosh, three to four hours. And by the end of it, they are completely charged up. They are delighted with what they've seen and inspired uh, to move forward. And so, and, and it starts to create this demand. And we'll talk about that in some other episodes about uh, in hiring processes, you know, how it's actually struck a nerve and, and caused an enormous amount of just a hunger for more. Uh, the second thing is, is leadership character is additive. It's not a substitute and it's not a distraction. It basically turbocharges everything else that you've got going on in your organization in a very positive direction, creating that positive leverage that comes from improved judgment and decision-making across the organization and this sense of, of well-being and, and aspiration for more. Um, the third thing is, is it's entirely manageable with your existing resources. This is not a big consulting project that's going to take millions of dollars and dozens of consultants and years and years to do. Uh, your best people you will find will gravitate towards it and they'll start to drive it. Uh, and you'll get these almost uh, unimagined positive outcomes uh, that ripple away, or ripple out from, from the work that starts. And uh, it will lead to positive outcomes that really that you, at the beginning, you, you really wouldn't have imagined. And if there was ever a time uh, that the world needed uh, um, leadership character, I think in our view, the time is now. We face massive uh, challenges on a personal level, on a community level, organizational level, uh, a national and even international level. And so in my view, and I think in Mary's view, uh, we need this now. So thank you again for joining us today. Uh, if you like uh, what you've heard and seen today, please share with your friends and colleagues. If you really like what you've heard and seen today, please consider subscribing to our podcast, Question of Character. We also have a website, questionofcharacter.com, where we'll be posting various resources and articles. 
and in particular, any links to diagrams, schematics, or other items we refer to in today's podcast. It's also a place where you can send us our comments, your thoughts uh, on what you've heard today, and maybe suggestions for future podcasts. Uh, we will also post links to the Anne O. Inatowitz Institute for Leadership at the Ivy Business School, where there are even more resources, articles, and information about the Ivy Leader Character Framework. So thank you again, and it's goodbye from me. Till next time. Thanks. Bye-bye.